Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have real, honest, smart, and sometimes even hilarious conversations about co-parenting, separation, and divorce, and all that goes along with that. I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, certified life and relationship coach, and happily divorced mom who helps women decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages, and then guides them through the process one step at a time. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining me yet again, spending a little bit of time with me. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Christina Lynn of Lynn Financial, and we have a really great conversation about the financial pitfalls, some of the biggest financial mistakes that people make when getting divorced, and she has some great tips and advice. And you know, one of my favorite things about Christina is that she's also a stay-at-home mom who got divorced, so she has been through this. And she reinvented herself and her story is great. She really went from having nothing to creating this wonderful, thriving financial practice. And I always love talking to professionals who have also been through the process of divorce. I think it lends itself for such a rich conversation. So that is what is up today on the podcast. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about, I was talking to a client today and we were talking about all of the hows, right? Well, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to do that? And this was actually, she's still in the, should I stay or should I go process? Right. And I noticed that all of her hows were getting in the way of her making her decision. And it's a very real truth that we will stay in discomfort we feel more comfortable in sadness, in pain, in all of the things than we do with the unknown. We will choose to stay in uncomfortable situations or situations that hurt us or make us feel bad about ourselves, about our lives, about our futures more readily than we will jump off a cliff into the unknown. And that's really why I do the work that I do, because I don't want that for you. Oh my God. I just don't want that for you. All of the hows, you know, how am I going to support myself? How am I going to live with joint custody, which Christina and I talk about in this episode, actually, how am I going to manage all of this by myself? How am I going to do this? Where all of those hows end up putting up a wall and a roadblock between us and the decision that has to be made. Our hows block us from our deepest yearning and our why, right? They kind of block our big why. So I just want to encourage you to, if you are in the process of making this decision and you're perseverating, your mind is just going over and over again. How am I going to do this? And how am I going to do that? And how will this ever work? And how, 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 how? I want to invite you to start to set the hows aside and really connect with your why. Connect with what it is that you want for yourself and for your life. What is the model of womanhood that you want to present to your children? Who do you really, really want to be? Who is the person that is deep inside you, buried by all this shit that is clawing to come out and focus on that. 
The hows will work themselves out. They're important questions, no doubt. I never want anyone to go through this blindly, and I don't ever want people to not be asking these questions. But what happens is we tend to ask these questions, we give them too much weight, and everything else gets shut down in their wake. So I want to invite you to start to set those questions aside and stay connected and deeply connect over and over and over again with your why. And speaking of whys, I am now going to present to you my guest, Christina Lynn. Christina is a certified divorce financial planner. She decided to specialize in divorce financial planning because of her own personal experience while unraveling a complex divorce. She was oblivious to her family finances and she didn't know where to turn for help. And after her lowest point, she made the decision to educate and invest in herself so that she could become the person that she needed to be for herself and her kids. And ultimately, she had no idea how much this would change her life. And her journey led her down the path to become a financial consultant, a certified estate planner, certified divorce financial analyst, tax preparer, and retirement planner. Holy moly, if anyone knows money, it's this woman. So Christina says that today, the mistakes that she made in her past inform and have been translated into solutions for Lynn Financial customers. So without further ado, I bring you Christina Lynn. Hey, Christina, thank you so much for coming on and talking to my people about all things divorce and money. Thanks, Kate. I am happy to be here. I am so excited for us to have this conversation because this is something that I actually have not really spoken about on my podcast before, certainly not with a professional. (laughs) It's time. It is time. It is time. So before we get into all of the professional financial aspects of this, you got into what you're doing because of your own divorce, right? So, you know, one of the things that I love to talk to the most about things even you know, divorced professionals are those who have actually been through it too, right? Because I feel like we have a different perspective on a yeah. lot of this. Yeah. So can you give us a little bit of your story and, you know, in particular, how it relates to why you do what you do, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the question. It's not something I talk about too often, but this is a great group to share the experience with because I know, I hope that other people can benefit from my story. So I was a stay at home mom. My husband was quite successful in his business. And when I filed for divorce, I did pretty much everything wrong under the sun, pretty much everything you'd recommend to your people. I did the opposite. So, and I had two kids, two small kids, they were three and four at the time. And so it was a really rocky road starting over from scratch. I left with my purse and that's it. Did yeah. you like leave in the middle of the night or did you like? How? I, yeah, it was kind of a hostile escape. I left with my purse. He was there kind of not wanting me to leave. And it was just difficult because I had my little ones there. So yep, I, I went, I got them in the car and I just drove over to my mom's house and cried a lot and didn't know what to do. But ultimately what I decided to do was file for divorce. And then I never went back. I got locked out. So that ended up not being an option. But so yeah, just an ugly process. But I learned so much through that process. 
that I just didn't want it to go to waste. I want other people to learn from the mistakes that I made and from my experience so that theirs doesn't need to be as ugly as mine was because it really didn't need to be. It was a lack of education on my part. I would say was a big part of it. And now things are fine. So I know, you know, there are better ways of handling it than what I did. So you and your ex now have a pretty sort of collaborative, cooperative, co-parenting relationship. It's hard to believe that we're the same couple or the same parents. But yes, now we have a great relationship. We're very focused on our kids. I'm just thrilled with how things are right now. That's so great. I'm so glad to hear it. And, you know, this is one of the things that I, you know, when people are in the middle of it and going through it and I say, you know, eventually this will, like the emotions will calm down, the emotions will settle and you will like hopefully get to a place you'll land somewhere, right? It doesn't, it may not be the most collaborative, but it's just not always going to be this heated. No. Right. That heat has to die somewhere. Right. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have believed you like, you know, six years ago, but I believe you now. I really think that that's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. That's so great. So what were the mistakes when you said you did everything wrong? Can you, I mean, whatever you're comfortable sharing, sure. what were the things that you did wrong? Sure. Uh, lots of areas. So I would say on the chat, like the custody side of it, because I was a stay at home mom and I provided probably like 90% of the child rearing responsibilities, I could not imagine myself in any other role other than being a, like the primary caretaker of my kids. And so Mm -hmm. the thought process of me being of having like joint custody and only seeing them half the time, I just couldn't even fathom. I could not wrap my head around it. Mm. But in reality, he is a good dad. And he, when we're talking divorce, it was an unreasonable expectation for me to think that I could have them most of the time. I wasn't looking for sole custody, but I was looking to have them like be the primary caretaker still. So I would have done that differently. I would have had different expectations about how much I would see my kids. And then on the legal side of it, I was in a just a kind of a sad place. There was a lot of emotional and a verbal abuse going on. So I just wasn't even in my mind anymore. And I wasn't thinking clearly. I was acting out of fear. I was very afraid of what potentially could happen. And so I just shut down and I relied a hundred percent on my attorney. That really was problematic because it was very expensive to do that. I was funneling all of my questions through him that really didn't need to go through him. I could have resolved a lot of the issues on my own, but I just wasn't emotionally capable of doing that at the time. I needed someone like you. Right. Yeah. Help. Yes. That's sort of, you know, I say that all the time, like hiring a coach, while a lot of people throughout their divorce think I can't possibly afford to hire a coach as well, but 
we are so much cheaper by the hour than your attorney. Oh man. And when you don't have the emotional support and you are funneling your emotional shit through your attorney, you're paying through the nose for that shit. Yeah, you're paying crazy. $300 an hour for that. Yeah. I could be your salesperson any day of the week because you're hired. (laughs) Yeah. I would have saved boatloads of money if I would have been smarter about how I handled my legal representation. It just, my attorney made a killing off of me and I'm not joking. It was so expensive. Yeah. So, but you know, you live and you learn. I am bound and determined to help other people avoid that mistake. So, you know, I would say that those are the two main big mess ups that I made in my divorce. I want to go back to what you're talking about from being a stay at home mom because I get this question a lot. Going from being a stay-at-home mom to having 50-50 custody and how much that affects you, how much it affects the children, how difficult of a transition that is. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with that? I know that's not what you professionally, but that's, you know, your experience, right? Right. So yeah, I am not a professional. I'm just speaking of my own experience with this stuff, but I would say that because I was 90% in charge of my kids, like I did everything for them and I was, you know, spent all day with them. I just couldn't imagine. I was like, how are you who are busy all day and night? How are you going to take care of the kids? I've never seen you do it. How? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Expect to change your life so that you're suddenly going to be a 50% parent. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that was a little bit of pride on my part or, and maybe fear of giving up control because I didn't know what he was going to do with them during the day because I've never seen him be responsible for the kids. And so once I was forced to allow him to take care of them 50%, and it wasn't quite 50%, I would say I still have them maybe a hair more, but once I saw him step up, yeah did have the kids half the time, he was fine with it. He did a good job. I just didn't think he could do it because I'd never seen him do it, nor did he seem like he wanted to. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, you know, that was something that I learned in my marriage too, because I had the same thing where I was a stay-at-home mom. I was me all the time. And, you know, one of the things I did know was that my husband was a great dad. And, but what I realized is that, you know, so often we paint there's, you know, I really hate the whole sort of, you know, buffoon dad trope that dads are incompetent and incapable and like, they don't know what to do with their children, you know, but you know, we're so responsible for that. And I think that especially as stay-at-home moms, right? That's our job, right? So we don't often give the job. We don't give them the space to exercise those muscles as much. You know, we talk about dads babysitting children. Like, no, they're not fucking babysitting. Those are their children. They're parenting. And, but we don't give them the space to be the great parents that they so often, many of them are really capable of being. And a lot of it is a matter of us taking our hands off and just letting them figure it out, right? If our kids are safe with them, you know, if we're, if this, mm-hmm. that's not an issue, and I had to really learn that the hard way. You know, I had to, when I was getting divorced, my, the first weekend that my husband had our son alone, right? And he had a birthday party to go to. 
And he called me sort of terrified. He didn't know what to do. He's like, I mean, I take him to a birthday party. I don't know. I have to get him a present. I have to, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what do I do? I was like, I don't know. You might want to just call the mom and find out what the kid's like, but I'm sure you're going to figure it out. I'm sure you'll get off. Sure you have. Now, and you know, I could have taken it over and done it all and gone to buy the present and taken it to the birthday party. And, and I was like, he has to figure this shit out. He's a grown up. He's competent. Yeah. Right. We can't be so controlling that we then enable their incompetence. Right. And you know, he figured it out yeah. and now he's way more on top of shit than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I wonder if it's like a hormonal thing that kicks in for the maternal instinct that we just, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we were just wired to be that lead in the relationship. And that's a beautiful thing. It worked while we were married, but when you're divorced, things change. And I think that's just a rude awakening that you're going to be confronted with and you can either embrace it like you did or fight it like I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and to be fair, I have to say that when my, we got divorced, my son was three and a half and my son has a very severe, I've probably talked about this before, a very severe case of ADHD. So parenting time with my child was so exhausting. Hmm. Solo parenting, my child was like soul sucking. And, you know, he's now, you know, now that he's 13, he's really self-sufficient. He's able to advocate for himself. He understands himself. He understands his body. He's able to say like, mommy, I can't, I'm having trouble sitting still. I need a heavy blanket or stuff like that. Right. But when he was three, He was, I couldn't go to the grocery store with him. I couldn't take him places. It was so bad because he'd be climbing up shelves. He was uncontrollable. His hyperactivity was uncontrollable. So frankly, 50% custody was godsend for me. Like a healthy thing. for. Oh my God. I mean, it was so bad that I used to have anxiety attacks at 2.30 every afternoon, whether I was picking him up or not, because I knew that that was my time to go into battle. I had like a five-hour battle ahead of me, and I knew it. And my nervous system went into like serious panic over it. So to have a break every other, you know, for half the week, it was, I needed it. I just needed it. It's a healthy thing. I think maybe other, your listeners or myself, like I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like something was being stolen from my kids and from me. Yeah. But it's not the truth. It's healthy to co-parent. Yeah. And your kids now have a great relationship with their dad, right? I mean, it's- They do. Yeah. yeah. And And that's the other thing is that, you know, I think that- my ex had to step up into being more of a hands-on dad because I wasn't there Mm -hmm. anymore. And I think that has done nothing but solidify and deepen his relationship with his son. You know, he didn't just come home and play or hang out or discipline, whatever. Like he's actually, you know, was, became an active participant in the full spectrum of parenting. Yeah. And I think in the end, it's best for our kids that that happens. Mm -hmm. We need to be, and I'm speaking for myself here. I needed to be more selfless and not think I was the only one capable of like raising my kids. well. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I just want to say to people who are listening, like, again, this applies if you are married to or divorcing somebody who, you know, 
all sort of feelings and, you know, anger and all that aside, if you can objectively look at your spouse or your ex and say like, this is good. Objectively, he's a good father. He may be flawed. He may not know what the hell he's doing half the time and, you know, whatever. But guess what? Neither do I. <laughs> right? Like, we're so judgmental about their parenting, but my God, we fuck it up all day, every day. So this is really for yeah. people who, you know, now I have some clients who are divorcing people who frankly, you know, there's concern. There's definitely concern about their spouse's ability to partner solo. And that's one of the questions that they have about leaving. Like, is it safe for me to leave? Because if my ex gets 50% custody, like, are my kids actually safe? And that's an entirely different conversation. And I think a lot of it, especially for stay-at-home moms, I know we're not even talking about the financial stuff. We will get into the finances, guys. But especially for stay-at-home moms, I think a lot of this change that's really hard for us is that so much of our identity has been focused on being a mother that when we're only a mother 50% of the time, we don't have to go and figure out who the fuck we are the other 50% of the time, right? Yeah. And that for me was the hardest. Yes. Scary. It's like, what am I going to do now? I quit my career. Now everyone else my age is leaps and bounds ahead of me. I'm going to have to start over at an entry-level position. It's embarrassing. I'm, you know, made for more than that. It's a brutal process that stay-at-home moms have to go through when they get divorced and have to go back into the workforce. Yep, absolutely. Which you did successfully. So now you work as a, is it a certified divorce financial planner? Is that what you're? Yep. A certified divorce financial analyst. Analyst. Okay. Um, That is what I do. I mean, I work with retirement planning, investments, things like that, but that's my little niche is I work with divorce finances primarily because I went through the ringer, made so many mistakes and I saw how much improvement is can be made in that arena. And so I just was like, this is a no brainer. People need this kind of help and I know how to give it. I went through some certification, got my licenses and everything. And that is what I'm doing now. And is that what you were doing before you doing stuff in finance before you quit work? And <laughs> no. I looked pretty long and hard about what I wanted to do when I entered back into the workforce. It was kind of a joke. My family and I had this list of like 25 different things that Christina could go back to doing. And one of them was breeding cats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now that you're divorced, you can fully embrace being a cat lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. No, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had wanted to get into like financial planning when I was younger, but I knew it took a long time to like build a book of business. And so I put it off and did something else that paid the bills. But this time around, I was just like, I think I want to give that a shot again. And especially with this divorce angle, I was just like, I think this is what I was meant to do. I just found it later in life. Yeah, I feel the same way. This is my second career and I feel exactly the same way. I feel I'm so grateful that my divorce led me to do what I do because I do yeah. think it's what I was meant to do. Yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing it turned into, like the phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my God, so beautiful. I love it. I love yeah. it. 
Oh, um, but side story, I didn't yeah. start out doing this because I mean, I have my own independent. I'm, you know, working for myself. Yeah. And so I needed to pay the bills starting. So I actually did start with that entry level job. I was with like yep. 20 year old punks and you know, it was hard, but I saved up enough money to transition me to do that. So just kind of a backstory. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So what's the number one financial mistake that people make when they're going through or considering a divorce? Okay. That's a great question. Well, I have 12 of them. Oh, that's great. Let's maybe not do 12, but let's do a bunch of them. I'll do I'll, my top one would be, I would say for the ladies listening in is insisting on keeping your house. Yes. Yeah, that it's so natural. I mean, we've been talking about the maternal instinct and that is just going strong when you're getting divorced. You want to provide your kids that stability. You don't want to upset your routine. And so it's just natural for a lot of women to insist on them keeping the house. Mm-hmm. And financially, that is typically, not in all cases, but I would say in like the typical divorce, it's a really big financial mistake to make. It's just too expensive. You can't... Oh my God, it would have been a disaster for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We've talked about this, Christina, that, you know, I wanted to keep my house. That was the thing that, you know, I was like, I'm the stay-at-home mom. You know, if I'm going to be with him most of the time, because my ex's schedule was so crazy that I was really having to pick up a bunch mm-hmm. and which was fine. But I was like, if I'm going to pick him up from school every day, I want to bring him back to what he knows. And, you know, mm-hmm. and my ex said to me during mediation, he said, Kate, wherever you are is home to him. Oh. He said, you've been a stay at home mom. You've been home with him since the day he was born. You are home oh. wherever you go is home. And he said, I, you know, as the working dad, sort of, I'm already a little bit disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. And so he said, at least I want to have the one thing that tethers him, you know, that feels like a home to him. And as soon as he said that, I was like, I can't argue that. (laughs) Like, oh my God, like my heart broke. And I was like, he's kind of right. First of all, you know, and then Mm -hmm. I looked at the financials and I looked at what our mortgage was and that what I would be responsible for and the property taxes and all. And I was like, I mean, it would be nice for me to, at the time I was very naive and I was like, oh, that, you know, I'll be able to do that. But then when I really started to think about it, I was like, when, how, like, I'm not, I don't do what he does. My ex-husband makes a lot of money Mm -hmm. and, you know, I have never been in the most lucrative, this is my second career and neither of them were the most lucrative (laughs) things in the world. You know, it's like, you know, I do okay, but good Lord, I could not have carried that mortgage. Not a chance. It would have been problematic, you know, at some point in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beyond. Beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you see that a lot too. And is that the same reason? Like at a certain point, like you're not, you probably won't be able to carry it alone. Yeah. I see it almost all the time. The mm-hmm. mom wants to keep the house, but I can show them. I show them the numbers and it, it's the numbers speak for themselves or don't you know, you don't need to try to sell them on the concept, but it's probably like five to 10 years. They just get upside down because though all the expenses associated with a larger home you just can't keep up. And I feel like it gets so bad that 
maybe that's part of the problem why women are getting remarried, maybe, you know, rushing into a remarriage to help offset the expenses. They need like a second income. And I don't want to say like, that's why people get married, but Hey man, it's sure convenient. I mean, I know that I've been running my own household on my own dime for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And there are days when I'm like, holy crap, can I find a husband? I I know. Could I get a partner up in here? This would really be helpful. It's like the cable bill, the electricity bill, the water bill. I mean, it's insane. It's all on you. And, you know, our society was just not built for single people dwelling single incomes. It really wasn't designed for single incomes. No. And I would say in other countries when this sort of thing would happen, I think that there would be like moving back in with the family and that would be more acceptable. But yeah, we're professional millennial women that just not acceptable in our culture. Yeah. It's just not what we do. I love you. I'm not so not a millennial, but I... (laughs) Oh, well, I feel like you are. Are you I'm sure? So much yeah, I'm sure. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> so much older than you are. I have no qualms about it. I'm 47, so I missed the millennial boat by quite you a few. You look great. Wow. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's another financial mistake that people make? Okay, another big one I would say is not refinancing your stuff to get your name off of his stuff and vice versa. That can really trip up your credit in the future because when you have accounts that are tied to your former spouse, you think that naturally once you get that divorce decree, oh, that's an official paper from court that should tell all of my creditors that I no longer am connected with my former spouse but that's not the way the financial world works. And so you actually have to go in, like manually get your name off of everything. And if you don't, eventually, depending on the person, maybe if you were married to somebody who was like super good with their bills and everything, maybe it wouldn't be a problem. But I have seen it really caught wreak havoc, like with credit cards, with mortgages, with car payments, student loans. It's really important to look at your credit report, see what your name, where you have like joint accounts and make sure that you get all of those shut down and refinance it if you need to. Yes, 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 absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did that. That was part of our, and you know, because we went through, we did collaborative divorce, which mm-hmm. includes having a divorce financial planner on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, we even went through which credit cards I was keeping, which he was keeping, taking our names off, and then like who got the points, you know? So he kept the card, mm-hmm. he kept all the Starwood points, and I got all the American Airlines points. <laughs> like, you know, it was, we were like, you know, down to divvying up credit card points and rewards back balances and stuff. That's the way to do it. It's, I'm curious whether your listeners, you know, got that sort of attention. I don't think the average person who goes through a divorce knows that. No, I feel like there's a checklist that's missing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why we're here having this conversation. Yeah, that checklist, Kate. Yeah, I think we're going to have to make it together. But I mean, that is, you know, it's true. The collaborative divorce process, that's one of the brilliant things about collaborative divorce as opposed to just straight out mediation or anything is that collaborative divorce has a mediator 
who's also a collaborative attorney. And each person gets their own coach. So that covers the psycho-emotional. So when things get heated, your coach takes you out of the room, coaches you through it, and then you go back into the ring. <laughs> you know, you hit pause. When things get heated, you hit pause and you leave the room with someone to coach you. And again, circling back to the legal question, that may seem like a luxurious thing that you don't want to spend your money on. Oh, it's brilliant. It's so much cheaper to do it that way than oh, to yeah. relying on your attorney. Absolutely. And our, and this, we actually ended up sharing a coach. We just decided that we were okay enough to be able to do that. And so we shared a coach who happened to have been my ex-husband's therapist as well. So like, you know, it didn't matter. I didn't care. I knew that everything was going to be fine. But so you have that. And then you also have a financial planner on the team. Mm -hmm. So like everything is covered. Brilliant. You couldn't it, have done it better. Yeah, it really is. And honestly, I think, I don't know because I didn't pay for it, <laughs> but I think our divorce costs something like $5,000. I am reserving my comments. <laughs> <laughs> and by oh. the way, I am probably completely wrong. If my ex-husband heard this, he'd be like, are you kidding right now? <laughs> oh. but, I didn't, but I didn't pay for it. But... I think it was not much more than that because, you know, we weren't fighting over a lot and, you know, we did it in like three sessions, but I mean, there was a lot of work. There was definitely a lot of work. I should actually confirm yeah. with him before I start saying that out loud. <laughs> yeah. well, I know how much my divorce cost. I can maybe give you to that, give you that off the record. It's ridiculously expensive to rely completely on your attorney, especially mm -hmm. if there's like, if you have a spouse that is like litigious in nature, they're oh, yes. always like, you're not going to get away. You're not going to do collaborative divorce. If you are in a combative litigious mm -hmm. situation, like that's just, you're just not going to be able to do that. Cause that's not the definition of collaborative divorce is the opposite. Right. <laughs> so but you can still really minimize your expenses. Even if you are in more of a combative situation. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So let's do one more. What's another financial mistake that people make when considering divorce? Okay. So let's do the pension. So if you, oh yes. Uh, so in general, I would say try to avoid asking for your spouse's pension or vice versa, having them ask for your pension because unlike different retirement accounts, pensions require this like special thing where- Yes. Yeah. The qualified domestics relations order and with the 401k. So yeah. if you can take some other asset that doesn't require a quadro, you're going to save yourself a lot of money in attorney fees and you're going to save yourself time and you're going to save yourself headache by finding an alternative to those assets. I had an attorney on recently and I told him that I actually think this is true, that my quadro is thicker than my final divorce paper. Yeah, <laughs> it is horrible. Thicker. I have no idea what's in it. I literally have no idea what's in it, but well, it way bigger and thicker and more complicated than my divorce paper. Yeah. I'm in the financial world and there is just so much regulation in qualified accounts like that, that I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but unfortunately that translates to 
tons of attorney fees mm-hmm. and time that it you're waiting there, wait for it to be resolved. So you're still in limbo even after your divorce is finalized. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, if you don't get an attorney who really knows what they're doing with it, they make mistakes and you got to go do it again. And yeah, we went out. So we had to hire a whole specialist, a whole quadro specialist for it. Yeah. So yeah, it is very complicated for sure. Well, that's the way to do it. Get a specialist rather than just using your divorce attorney. Yeah, definitely. So what is your best financial tip for people getting divorced? I was kind of tying back to not relying on your attorney for everything. My best financial tip is to surround yourself with a professional team who's going to represent you in this divorce process. So someone like yourself, a divorce coach, it's going to help you so much mentally. It's going to help you approach the situation with a clear head. You're not acting out of that part of your brain, the flight or flight. I think you had described Mm -hmm. it. You're not going to be acting out of that. You're going to be thinking rationally when you get someone like you on the team. Also, you're avoiding paying unnecessary attorney fees for things that do not need to be filtered through your attorney. You should have a divorce financial planner on your team. Let's see. And again, these are things that seem like added expenses and oh my God, and it's just so much money. And yet the amount of money that really it'll save, right? If you have a certified divorce financial planner on your team who helps you clearly separate out your finances and real, like what would happen if you didn't have a certified divorce financial planner who didn't sit down and show you the spreadsheet with what it would cost you to keep the house and what all the expenses are. And you ended up going into foreclosure because in two, three years, you literally couldn't keep this ship afloat. What would that cost? Right. Whereas having a financial person on your team to go, here's the reality. What if you're you know, spouse ends up defaulting on a debt that you are on the hook for. Mm -hmm. How much is that going to cost you? These are things that it may seem like it's more upfront, but oh my God, the payoff on the back end is so much greater. And I invite anybody that listens to you to contact me because I will tell them how much money I could have saved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I am firsthand experience here that if I would have involved a team of professionals rather than just relying on my attorney, it just, it would have really resulted in a different outcome. Christina and I are going to talk offline about our new business with (laughs) (laughs) where we work together as your financial and emotional team in concert and conjunction with your attorney. (laughs) Yeah. You may not know this, but you need us. (laughs) Yeah. If you, we have not figured this out yet, but if you want us, you can email us and we'll figure it out for you. (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, I, totally, totally just blindsided Christina with that. Yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah, totally. So, all right. If you had your divorce to do all over again, you've talked a lot about like the, all the mistakes that you made. And I do think that you're hard on yourself, by the way, as your unofficial coach here, <laughs> you're really hard on yourself. But if you could do it all over again, how would you handle your divorce differently? Yeah. I actually, it's kind of nice that I'm, well, this is a 
process of transition I'm going through because I went through a period where like I thought it was all his fault and I didn't recognize the role I played in it Mm. and so it was a bit of a healing process and in the end I think it's for everyone's good because then I can help you learn from my mistakes but if I could do it all over again I wouldn't have put my kids I wouldn't have mixed the custody so much with the financial part. And that was really hard to say in hindsight because I was never shown an alternative how to do that. But if I could have had someone like you and had more of a collaborative approach to my divorce, I think there was a way, there would have been a way to separate the custody from the financial in a way that would have been better for everybody involved. Yeah. And this is such a complicated thing, right? Because as my listeners know, I've talked about this ad nauseum that percentage of custody is inextricably linked to cut, you know, child support is sort of inextricably linked to percentage of custody and income differentials. And Mm -hmm. so it is all intertwined. Those three things are just like a horrible knot. And I don't know what the, you know, I've also had friends say to me, people who are in separations where their co-parent was not paying any child support mm-hmm. and wants to see the kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their response is like, should I like, really? Like, fuck you. Like, at, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, you have not shown up. You haven't paid a dime. I pay for everything. And now okay. you want to come and see the kids. Like, really? And I don't have a good answer for that. Right. I mean, yes their parent and if it's safe for them to do so. But I do get that. I don't know what the answer is to that. I get that sort of feeling of resentment, obviously, right? And often somebody who is sort of a deadbeat like that and not paying child support is probably not the best parent anyway. So, you know, we can leave it at that. But I don't know what the alternative is, right? It's linked for many reasons. How would you do it differently? How would you separate that out? Like, I needed help. I needed help from someone other than my attorney because my attorney, you know, maybe it's a small town thing and I didn't have the most sophisticated attorney, but if I would have had someone like you or someone that was not legal representation, but really knew how a divorce could potentially get solved yeah, in a healthy manner. Yeah. I think that is what could have been different for me. I had just shut down and like all communication was going through my attorney and that just by default, like all of the kids stuff and financial stuff in the attorney's point of view, he doesn't care. He's not separating the two issues where when I was going through that emotional upheaval of, you know, I felt like I was losing my kids you know, I had no home. I was homeless. I had no money. It was just horrible that everything really got stalled because we couldn't get past like the custody part of it. And the financial part by default got really like wrapped up in that fight and it didn't need to, but I just didn't have an attorney that like could present a different approach to me. Like you need a divorce coach You need a divorce financial expert on your team to show you like the easiest route, the most efficient, the most healthy way to approach it. Yeah. That's not what an attorney does. They're there to like break your marriage contract. They're not helping you 
And frankly, the more contentious it is, the more money they make anyway. So they're not really there to solve the problem, as you said. And I think that, you know, what you're pointing to is the thing that I always say is, which is that, you know, you're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your life in the midst of the biggest emotional upheaval of your life. And Mm -hmm. you are best advised to deal with the emotional upheaval so that you make the right financial and legal decisions. Um, Making those financial and legal decisions through the lens of rage and resentment and all of that, like is doing, does nobody any favors. And in fact, it, it does damage to your kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I really try to protect my kids from that. It'll be interesting to talk with them when they're grown up to see if they felt that battle going on behind the scenes. The battle did not need to be that hot. That's for sure. Yeah, I hear you. I have some of those conversations with my son now and he's 13 and he's really clear headed about it. He's very clear about certain things. He didn't even feel the heat behind our marriage. I was like, whoa, really? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know how you miss that, (laughs) but that's good. um, Yeah, it is. So speaking of our kids, do you have any tips for how to best protect kids through the divorce process? Sure. Again, I'm not an expert, but I really love my kids and I feel like their dad really loves them. So Mm -hmm. we were, I think we have done a good job about building up the other parent in front of our kids. So when I am with my kids and their dad is not around, I talk him up like crazy. Like it almost seems like there's maybe even a line maybe that I could cross is I think my kids are like, mom, you like dad so much. Like, why aren't you with him? Yeah. I was going to say exactly. If you talk him up too much, they might be like, so why did you get divorced? I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. That has come up, but I figure that's a better question than, you know, trauma. Why do you hate daddy? Why do you hate my father? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I talk him up. I talk about how smart he is at business, Mm -hmm. how good he is at fixing things around the house, you know, like maybe dad could help you with your science fair project because he is a pilot and maybe you could build a plane or something like that. Yeah. That's great. I love that. And I don't know, that was a scary leap for me because I really thought, and I think it's true that he was not talking highly of me when I wasn't around to the kids, Mm -hmm. but I took that leap of faith and I did it on my end and I now think that he talks highly of me as well. Like, I don't want to have proof of that, but I really suspect that that's what's going on because my kids are so healthy and so thriving right now. That is so great to hear. And I think that's something that's really important for our listeners to hear, that there is this light at the end of the tunnel, even in a horribly nasty, difficult, expensive yeah. divorce, that you can get to that place where your kids are okay. Because that's everyone's biggest fear. Yes. Right? It's hardly about anything other than, you know, am I going to break my kids? Yeah. No, that, that is our worst nightmare. And yep, so absolutely. I just want to encourage all of you out there that even if you feel like it's not going to be reciprocated, it is absolutely worth you extending that olive branch and you speaking highly of your spouse because it's what's best for your kids that they want to hear that. I could not agree more. And I always talk to my clients and in my work about keeping your side of the street squeaky clean, whatever your ex is going to do is really a, you have no control over and it's, you know, very little of your concern in business. But if you keep your side of the street squeaky clean, number one, you know, you have your own integrity intact, right? And you get to feel good about yourself and your kids notice. 
Yep. Kids notice that stuff because, you know, if he was bad mouthing your kids and your kids said to him, you know, daddy, mommy always said such nice things about you. Um, Why do you always say such mean things about him? That would be the thing that would have him change on a dime. And you didn't have to do a goddamn thing other than be a good human. I think so. I agree. Yeah. And that's great. And that shifts everything, right? And you didn't even have to do anything. (laughs) No. I mean, I don't know if that's why things are working so well right now. I don't know why, but I think it definitely has helped protect our kids through this process. Absolutely. I love that. It's just, yep. Smart, smart, smart. So Christina, how do you exactly do you help in the divorce process? And tell us a little bit like where people can find you and all of that good stuff. Okay. So I love hearing your divorce story because you did it so right. And I don't know, maybe it's a trend that everyone's doing that now, but, and that I'm not aware of, but maybe we're behind Mm -hmm. the times here. But so in your collaborative divorce, you had a divorce financial planner that came in and looked at your finances and offered an objective opinion about property settlement divisions. You know, what would be a fair and equitable division? What kind of projections on net income and net worth? How are each party going to, you know, financially experience the decision made at this table five, 10, 20 years down the road? That is what I do. I come into the divorce process and work with a client and their attorney to look at the finances and make sure that they're understanding everything that they have and protecting their credit and avoiding things like, you know, the pension and the 401k that causes problems down the road and making sure that they understand the, what is best for them, not just like what they have their heart set on. Yeah. So I like the voice of financial reason that comes yes. into the divorce. Oh my and God. I found Everyone needs that. We need a voice of financial reason. God. I agree. I need that now, by the way. (laughs) And I have found actually that attorneys appreciate that help because even though they may not like tout this, they don't pretend to be financial experts. It's our wrong assumption that we just think that they are like the be all have all of everything divorce related, but mm-hmm. attorneys mm-hmm. appreciate someone with financial expertise coming in to look at the numbers and offer guidance on what's best for the clients. They don't pretend to be financial experts. So that's what I do. I come in, I help a client. I can help in the, the collaborative way, which is, you know, you're helping both parties. That's not as popular of a process where I'm at. We're just, it's not around yet. So if you have that available in your area, take advantage of it. And then I help people post-divorce too. I can't always catch people in the divorce process, but if someone is recently divorced or just has a divorce in their past, I love to just take a look and see where they're at, check out kind of under their financial hood to see what's going on and make recommendations for ways maybe that they're vulnerable right now and just set them up for success in this new chapter of life. Like you say, Kate, like this is the biggest financial decision or action of your life. Most likely yep. you need to reevaluate now that you're on your own and yeah, make sure absolutely. that 
Yeah, you're allocated right. You're putting, you know, the right amount of money away for your own independent retirement now, things like that. So, yes, absolutely. Love it. And do you, you know, as a coach, I work with women all over the country. I don't know if I've ever said that on my podcast. And I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, wait, what? You do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, yes. Because coaching is not, you know, you don't have like state licensure for coaching the mm-hmm. way that you do for uh, the way that you do for therapy. So what about for you? Is that the case for you too? Yeah, that's it's the same with me. So I can I heavily rely on this like special financial software and for the divorce financial reporting end of it. And that is just like what you're doing. I mean, I just need to be able to get on the phone with you or video conference, email, things like that to get all of the information and, you know, establish a relationship and I can help anybody in the United States. I love that. That's so great. And that's so important for everyone to know. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we just, we don't really know, (laughs) right? We don't know how these things work. That's why I realized like, I didn't think I ever said that about me and my work. So yeah, cool. You need to know that. That's good. All of Christina's information is going to be in the show notes. So do not, you'll be able to find her and you'll be able to figure out how she and I are going to take the world by storm together. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) Hilarious. I'm totally making that up on the fly. Christina's going to be picking me under the table. Where can I sign? (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much. Is there anything else, last words of wisdom that you want to leave people with? Just want to shout out a message of love to all of your listeners. This is a really tough chapter that you're going through right now, but I promise that it does get a lot better and look at as a chance to have a redo. That's how I looked at it. And that's how you're looking at it, Kate. And I can say that I am enjoying this new season of my life so much. And that's what's in store for you guys as well. It's your choice. I so agree with that. Mm -hmm. I could not agree with that more. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Christina, for coming on and sharing your incredible wisdom and experience. Like I said, I really always appreciate when the experts that I have on my podcast have also been through this process. And I think my listeners respond to that a lot more too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, Kate. I really enjoyed speaking with you. You're a doll. Aw, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. You can find me over at kateanthony.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.